Proverbs 28. This is a verse that's been very helpful to me. Never spoke on it that I remember. So tonight I'm going to give you as much as I've learned and hopefully will be helpful to you. Proverbs 28, and I'm going to read two verses, 25 and 26, mainly 26. But And I'm going to give you the framework, the structure, how things are connect, and then some important applications. Proverbs 28, 25 and 26. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. That's a phrase for me that's been super helpful. But he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. Okay, now I'm going to read it a second time. You're going to do something different this time. You're going to look at, as if you were studying, all the things that are comparable or contrasting or the same. You're going to look in there and say, what are some things about these two verses that are similar and in those similarities, what makes them also different? All right? So you do that with your eyes and mind as I read it one more time. A greedy man stirs up strife, but the one who trusts in the Lord will be enriched. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but he who walks in wisdom will be delivered. What do you see? What jumps off the page to you? What are some things that make those two verses parallel, the same, but in those similarities that are slightly different as well? What, what do you see in there? If you were having a marker or a pencil or whatever you use and you were circling things in your Bible or wherever you do it, what would you write down? What would be helpful? Sarah? Good. So I think you would see, right? There's two contrasting trusts. What are they? Yeah, trusting in your own mind. Okay, let's just, we'll say yourself. And trusting in, come on class, the Lord, right? So trusting yourself. So self-trust versus God-trust, right? That's, that's part of this pattern in these two verses. What else do you see? How are they structured? How are they put together? What connects them? John? Okay, so you have the heart is in there. In fact, actually, ESV doesn't translate that way, but in Hebrew, it is the word Whoever trusts in his own heart is a fool. All right? I think other versions would have that in there. What else? Two contrasting trusts. What else is a result of that? Look at the text. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but. See that? There's a statement followed by a contrast in both of them. 25. Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool, but, and then verse 25, a greedy man stirs up strife, but. 
So they're going to contrast two things, and we need to do that in order to understand these texts. So there's two trusts, contrasts that are being made, and what does the end of each verse say? Will be enriched, will be delivered. So there's two contrasts, two trusts, two results. So whichever one of the side of the equation that you're on will produce something in your life. I'm going to go a little further because you have obviously just started studying this. What you find in this text is in the ESB 25 says a greedy man. Well, there are a number of men, can I say it, kinds of people represented. You don't have to write them all down, but you can do it later. A rich man and a poor man, evil man, a blessed man, a faithful man, Man with evil eyes. So here's wisdom. Ready? Write this down. This is very important. If you're a parent tonight, or you're going to be one, and if you're a teen, and there's some teens in here tonight, you need to know this. Wisdom wants to make you a certain kind of person. That's what the Bible's trying to do. To make you into a certain kind of person. And catch this. And the and that all depends what kind of person you will be will be decided by the kind of wisdom that you use. And so there's blessed and evil. There's wicked and righteous. There's wise and foolish. And there's all kinds of people and they're always being contrasted in Proverbs. And then what you find out if you read the entire text of this chapter is that all these kinds of people have all kinds of behavior. One, depending on who it is, is fearful. The other one is bold. And they're contrasted. One forsakes the law. One keeps the law. One has no understanding. One has all understanding. One is discerning. One is undiscerning. One goes astray, but the other one inherits the riches. One covers sin. One confesses sin. One has a reverent heart. One has a hard heart. One walks blamelessly, and the other walks perversely. And, and so you can't get away from the antithetical concept in the ancient Near East as they see things black and white. The writer knows that there's gray areas. The writer knows there are in-between things. And people can't always be nice and fitly put into a one category or the other. But that's how wisdom literature works. See, you are one kind of a person or another Wisdom and folly both make certain kinds of people. So in the text, just so you're able to do more after we're done tonight, the little contrast of the kind of person with a but contrast in the middle, this is how prevalent it is in our text. Verse 1, 2, 4, 5, 7, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 16, 18, 19, 20, 25, 26, 27, 28. 19 verses. That is a lot. That's a lot. So the whole pattern of this is, here's what you are, and because of that, there's a contrast, and that will show you what you will become. What you will become. Now, I'm going to stop and give you, ready, a little commercial. I call them wisdom skills. We need to teach our children wisdom skills. And that is being able to look at people in life and be able to make contrasts and comparisons. I'm going to give you three examples 
not in our text, but generically in Proverbs, but way also in the wisdom literature, in Psalms, Ecclesiastes, and outside of that, even in the Gospels and other places. Our children need to be able to do this. Here are the three contrasting phrases that I would use, I did to teach my children. Rather than, better than, more than. Rather than, better than, more than. Our kids need to be able to make decisions on things that may not inherently be wrong based on having the wisdom skill of contrasting and comparing them. The, one of Satan's greatest tools is not trying to get us to do wrong things, but to try to get us to do permissible things that aren't the best things. Because good things can become God things when they're not. And so what we need to be able to do, and you know all these kinds of verses, that this is better than this, and so choose this. I used one today at the funeral. It is better to go to the house of mourning than it is to go to the house of feasting, Ecclesiastes 7.2. Now, in your mind, that's countercultural because no one wants to go to a funeral when you can go to a party. But the Bible says there's wisdom in it. Now, see, that's what our kids don't get. They think if it doesn't make sense or give immediate results, then it isn't better. See, but we learn quantity and quality of comparisons. And why is it better to go to a house of mourning? Well, Solomon says this, because this is the end of all men, and the living will take it to heart. It's good to go to a funeral because it tells you you better be prepared for the day that it's yours. <laughs> but it's better than a good name is better than to be chosen than great riches, Proverbs 22, 1, and on and on. So better than, more than, rather. Moses, see, watch. Moses chose to suffer with the people of God and to suffer affliction rather than the riches of Egypt. See what he did? He weighed out, look, watch. When you have God's wisdom skills, suffering in the wilderness with the people of God Treasures of Egypt. You'd say, well, that's easy. Treasures of Egypt, way better than suffering with God's people in the wilderness. No, you would be wrong because you're living in the wrong story and therefore the wrong wisdom. It's better, but he tells you what gauged that value because he could see, it says, he looked to the reward. He was able to see beyond immediate success, happiness, and pleasure. He looked for the reward. He could see him who is invisible. But that was all made by wisdom skills, right? So we're going to look at it tonight. Wisdom, let me give you a definition, and then we're going to make some comments and applications. Wisdom's definition is competence in responding to the complexities of real life. Do your children, do you know how to respond to the complexities of life. Let me give you a quote. A wise person knows that he or she is a fool, but a fool thinks that he or she is wise. I remember the day my sister, one of my sisters, I won't incriminate them in case they're watching. I remember when they were about 15 or 16, told my dad, which in and of itself was sort of insane, that they didn't really need to hear what he had to say because they were 16 now and could handle it on their own. <laughs> you laugh at that, right? It's foolishness. It's foolishness. Why? 
because 16-year-olds don't know how foolish they really are, do they? <laughs> a wise person knows they're a fool, but a fool thinks that they are wise. Wise people are completely aware of how foolish they are. If you don't think you're a fool, someone said, then you are a fool. <laughs> so, confidence. Let's go to this trust principle and look at the text together. A greedy man stirs up strife. In contrast, now watch, I want to tell you because Proverbs is full of this phrase, don't trust in your riches. So when it brings up greedy man, because this section is about wealth, what he's basically saying, if you read between the lines, is don't trust in your riches. You know what it does? Because when you put your trust in that instead of God, vertical issue, it's going to cause horizontal issues. We need to tech, we have to have the wisdom skill to be able to teach ourselves and our kids that what you do before God will affect everything and every person in your life. Every person in this room tonight who has or will have or is going through a marriage problem has a God problem without a doubt. Vertical is always connected to the horizontal. Greedy people cause problems because it is what they trust in God issue and therefore it makes conflict. It stirs up strife. So one of the number one things that people talk, have problems with in their marriage is communication, sex, and money. Why? Because they cause conflicts because we make them what we trust in. They make them our God. And this says... If you trust in your own mind, if you think that you have the wisdom, if you think that you have the kind of wisdom and revelation that you need, see, you're wrong. You are a fool. Now, the bad thing about that verse I found is it didn't say foolish. Fool. It mean, fool is an identity marker of a lost person. They're not just not smart or wise. They're lost. It's right in the same company as scoffer, scorner, and a lot of other things that aren't very good. So the people who trust in their own wisdom are in identifying themselves as people who do not, watch, trust in the Lord. Next verse. So how do the trusts go together? Here's what the wisdom says. Ready? You cannot be trusting in your wisdom and how you think life should be run and how it should go and trusting in the Lord's at the same time. And the capital Lord, L, capital O-R-D, meaning you cannot be using a covenant relationship with God and having one if you are at the same time living out the pattern of trusting in yourself. We all know the verse, trust in the Lord with, yes, and finish it, and, stop. Trust in the Lord, we just said in our verse, trust in the Lord, trusting in your own mind or heart are antithetical, they don't go together, what does the Proverbs say that we all know by heart but don't use too much, I'm afraid? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Heart, inner core being, control center of your life. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and what you can't you do at the same time, which tells you what it means to, or not to do to trust in the Lord. And lean not on your... Yes. So trusting in the Lord and leaning on your own understanding do not go together. 
You are doing one of them. When you've made decisions this week, you've either trusted in the Lord or you have leaned on. And leaned on is another way in Hebrew and Aramaic of saying trust. It means just what it says. To put your weight on something. To trust in something. Right? Because you believe that that weight is going to support you. If you think that your understanding and the way that you make decisions is best without the Lord's help and without offering or taking up his wisdom, you are leaning on your own understanding. In all your ways, what? And he shall, he shall direct your path. Write this down, please. Probably the most important thing I'm going to say tonight. Wisdom is a path. Wisdom is a path. Back in our text, it says, Whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. But in contrast, he who, ready, walks in wisdom. Walks in it. Because you're on a path. You're on a road. Why does that matter? Here's why it matters. Because we want to make it in American culture a door. We think wisdom is a door. That all I got to do is find the right door or get the right key to open the right door or push the right button. So let me prove it to you. I went to Barnes & Noble last week and here's some of the titles. Three Lessons on Taming Anxiety. Four Steps on Overcoming Anger. Five Methods for Perfecting Your Marriage. What is wrong? I'm sorry. What is wrong with that? Wait. Garbage. What is wrong with that? What do they want? They want a technique. Because they want it in three steps. Right? Here's what, see? You see what that wisdom does? It does not care what kind of person you are becoming. If you can just have a technique. And so, see, my kid is this, or my marriage is this, or my, my personal life is this. Give me three steps. Give me four points. Give me five methods. But you cannot become a kind of person that quickly or fast. Proverbs says, listen, that's why training your children is a lifelong job. And working on your own spiritual life is a life. Why? Because it is a process that takes a lot of time. It will never be three easy steps. Ever. And to read books with fallacious titles is to buy into the world's wisdom around us. We have to become a kind of person who makes wise decisions. Example, one of the most frequent things I've ever asked, especially I suppose when I was a youth pastor, how do I find God's will for your life? I've been asked that more times than I'd ever probably want to believe. What it really means is, pastor, what is a technique I could use to make a decision I have to make next week? That's what I found it meant. (laughs) And by it usually means one of these things. Buy a house, choose a career, or when and who I should get married to. And that phrase and sentence, the way it's constructed, is framed to ask for a a technique. And so they would never say, I'm going to put out a fleece, because that would be antiquated. Right? They wouldn't say those things, but... They really want a sign from God. And I've even had people tell me, I think this is what God's will for my life is because God told me, and I go, stop. Not true. 
So give me a technique. And so here's what I tell them. Ready? There are seven phrases in the New Testament that enjoin the phrase will of God to it. And this is what it is. Ready? Objectively, be saved. God is not willing that anyone should perish, but all come to the truth. God wills and desires all men to be saved, 1 Timothy 2, 4. So the first step to knowing the will of God is you got to get saved. Secondly, sanctified. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you abstain from all sexual morality. So I can tell you this. You're worried about your career, but you're living with your boyfriend. It's incompatible. It's not great wisdom. It's just true. You can't do the will of God when you're living in sin directly in rebellion. It won't work. Saved, sanctified, sacrificial, right? Present your bodies a living sacrifice, for this is the will of God, it says. The will of God is that you do that, living sacrifices, serving, that you serve the Lord, not with eye service, but according to the will of God from your heart, Ephesians 6, 6. So saved, sanctified, sacrificial, serving, 1 Peter 2, 15, submissive, that by doing good and doing the will of God, you put to quiet, it says, other people's complaints and criticisms. 1 Peter 4, 19, number six, suffering. For if you suffer by the will of God, here's how he says you should respond. And lastly, saying thanks. 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. Give thanks in everything. It's the will of God. So I said, and people say, well, I got to find the will of God. I want to say, it's not lost. It's right here. But you know, but you know why I tell them all those seven things? Because here's what I'm trying to get them to think. You want a technique that I can tell you tomorrow how to choose a career? You need to take a year and find who you really are and become a person who makes wise choices. You know why you're considering even making a choice that foolish? Because that's who you are. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, it says. No techniques will do it. Let's do our verse again. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will. Your what? Your path. Your path. He didn't say he will tell you who to marry on what day. And what car out of the lot of cars to choose? No, he expects, if he's going to direct you, and literally in Hebrew, in the ESV, it says, make straight your path. Make straight. Not because, meaning no bumps, but no matter where the path leads, he will tell you how to do it, where to go. (laughs) That's what he'll do. Because why? Because you're on the path to be a person of wisdom, So our kids grow up and say, here it is. I live by rules only. I don't do this, and I don't do that, and I have my hair, and I wear these clothes, and I do this, and I can't go here, and I can't. But they don't know how to solve the complexities of life on things that may or may not be spelled out to be so right and wrong. So how do they know when they're gone from your house? How do they think through issues? The truth is, for many, they cannot. They cannot. Because all they know is rules, but they don't know the God of wisdom. They don't know how to think through the complexities. They don't even know what the story they're supposed to be living is all about. Because they live in the wrong story, and they live in the wrong wisdom, because they're not on the right path. 
You know what the Bible says about the fool? The fool thinks that his path is right in his own eyes. In his own eyes. You know what that is? A perspective without God. We would never, we would never think that we could go without God when it comes to salvation. You have to have God. We believe that without a doubt. But we would make decisions every day and our children to do the same without ever confronting what he has to say. Did you notice after our verses, three, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and he will make your path straight, you know what the very next verse is? Do not be wise in your own eyes. Accident? I don't think so. Wise in your own eyes, trusting in yourself, Self-wisdom, and I'll close with this in just a couple minutes. Self-wisdom, by the way, is individualistic. If you're a parent, please listen. Your teens are going to tell you that they can do it on their own, that they don't need any help, they don't need any advice, that they can handle it on their own. What they need to hear is, the Bible says, a fool doesn't need advice. A fool doesn't need advice. So if you think that you can handle it on your own, then you're acting foolish. So why is it when we have marriage problems that it gets so bad before we ever ask anybody for help? Because we're foolish, proud, arrogant. Can I tell you this? Commercial, ready? Proverbs is very clear. You get wisdom in community. Here's five things, and I'm going to list them off for you. Basic wisdom skills that everyone personally and their children should know. Number one, Proverbs gives all of them to you. They are knowing God, knowing yourself, which by the way, most people are clueless about what they're really like and lie to themselves all the time about it because they're not very often comparing themselves to God and they don't know who they really are, including, unfortunately, our children. Knowing your friends, number three, knowing God's database, and for lack of a better term, of best practices. That's what Proverbs gives, best practices. So if you're going to be on a path and you're going to become a kind of person, you know what it's going to take? Disciplines. It takes disciplines. So we're going to talk about on Wednesday nights. How do I train myself in prayer? Because you need that discipline. You need the discipline of knowing your, how to read your Bible. You cannot just open it up, read a chapter, and think that that's what it's going to take to grow. It's way, way more complex than that. A lot more hard work. But if you're going to be disciplined... You're going to have to learn. You have to say, if I'm going to be on a path and solve the complexities of life with God's wisdom, then I have to have habits. I have to have disciplines. I have to work these things out in my life. And fifthly, you have to know when trouble comes, how am I going to respond to it? Proverbs gives us all those five basic wisdom skills to be able to handle all the complexities of life. And that's why the myriad of terms are used to describe it, because it's so variegated, because the complexities are great. So it's said wisdom, understanding, knowledge, discernment. There's all kinds of terms for it, because there's little nuances that we need to teach our children 
about how to use the skill that God's given to us and his word about how to answer the difficulties and the complexities of life. Can I say it? Here's my commercial. Small groups are necessary and D groups for that very reason. So when you come to a small group, you are getting wisdom in community. And it's good for us to do that. You come and get someone to pray for you and love you and care for you, and they can also help you. They can have, that's why I love the fact that we have different kind of people in different kind of groups because it's awesome. I always pick my D groups to be as different as possible. Age, experience, levels, or maturity levels and salvation at times. You know why? Because we learn from each other. We learn from each other. There's things that you can know and I don't know and things that we can learn together and we learn and only a fool sees wisdom and understanding as individualistic. But that is exactly what our world does. It's called expressive individualism, that I know what I feel, therefore I don't need your help. And that if you do not combat that with wisdom from God that seeks to make it a community-level thing, then you're going to be in serious trouble. Our kids are taught every day that whatever they feel and whatever they think is truth. No matter what anyone else says, how are you going to fight that if you aren't teaching your kids the opposite every day in all their circumstances in life? I would sit down with your teenager, and I'll close. If I was a parent of younger children today, and I sat down with them, maybe even older children, right? I would sit down, and I would have a piece of paper. At the top, I would put this, the person I want to be not just want, the person I should be. And I would ask them, how are you going to become that person? I'm not asking them whether you play basketball or you're good at school or you're really pretty or muscular. I'm not asking any of those things. What kind of person do you want to become? You could be rich, famous, popular, athletic, high, all that stuff and not be the kind of person you ought to be. And you are going to, and so what we pour into our children is, do this, do this, have this, be, but not who they are. And we're surprised when we dunk them in all that kind of stuff, saturate their minds with it, that they come out not caring about God or what kind of person that they are going to become. Wisdom skills, we definitely need them You do not get them by self-trust. Memorize it. Quote it to yourself. Next time you believe that you have the answers, tell yourself, he who trusts in his own heart is a fool. Don't believe your own reports about yourself. It's foolish. Let's pray. Oh, Father, help us. The wisdom of the cross is foolishness to those who do not believe. And to have our children think through their choices based on the death and resurrection of Christ is so countercultural to anything that they hear anywhere else. Father, you know 
that is the most important thing they could ever hear. We live in a world that is godless, crossless, and foolish. But they can't even see it. Oh, God, help us as your people that we live in a different kind of wisdom because we live in a different kind of story and our families, including our children, walk a different kind of path because we're becoming a different kind of people. People who practice a wisdom that no one knows about. No one's practicing, but yet it's still true. Oh God, help us. We ask you, we're desperate for your help. Please work in our lives as we go hard after you. And we'll praise you and thank you for that in Christ's name. Amen. You are dismissed.